Howdy, y'all. Welcome to Family with Family, a mindful discussion of wholesome fare. My name is Jackson Harper, and joining me for this discussion is my mother, Patricia Ann Stover Harper. Greetings. <laughs> Greetings. And salutations. Oh, boy. We're getting into <laughs> Charlotte language now. Yeah. We haven't done that movie yet. It's, it's coming eventually. I know it. Of course. Yeah. Um. How was your day? It was good. I played bridge today. Oh, okay. Y'all. I, I lost. I, I was at the bottom. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Y'all. Last week I was she at plays the top. bridge all the time. <laughs> she has like multiple groups of people she plays bridge with. And she has tried to like sort of explain bridge. And it sounds like a nonsense game. <laughs> It sounds like it's a game that you just make up as you go along. <laughs> no, it just has a lot of rules, conventions, cubids. All That's it. why it sounds so ridiculous. It, well, <laughs> it's because it's so complex. It's very complex. I don't get much more complex than Rook. So what are we talking about tonight? The kid who would be king. All right, so uh, just give us a little rundown of what this movie is about. Okay. Uh, the Kid Who Would Be King is a movie made in 2019, which I didn't see till 2023. It's a modern-day sequel to uh, the story of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. Uh, a kid named Alex becomes the once-in-future king and sets out to use Excalibur to stop a sorceress from ruining Britain and the world. Yeah. It's interesting. Like this movie, I saw it when it came out, but nobody else did. Uh, <laughs> I was looking it up today. Actually, it was made on a $59 million budget, which for a movie with a lot of special effects is actually a pretty modest budget, but it only grossed. 32 million dollars worldwide this was a flop that's and a uh, it was also one of the last movies that uh fox released before disney took them over so i believe it said it was the second to last movie that uh they released fox lost heart in movie <laughs> well i mean fox was already getting ready to sell out to disney but this was one of the last movies that they released on their own. So, yeah, but I saw this movie when it came out and I was very pleased with it. And I think a lot of the people that saw it were also pleased with it because it got very pretty good reviews. Some people raved about it. I was one of those people. And thus here we are doing a podcast about it. So, um, so let's, uh, let's just go through and just talk about like, just let's like give a rundown of who the characters are in the movie now that we've kind of gone into the plot a little bit. And then we're just going to talk about uh, some just individual scenes and moments from the movie that we that we liked. So tell me, who are the characters in The Kid Who Would Be King? Well, first of all, it's Alex. Mm -hmm. Alex is a 12 year old boy mm -hmm. and um, he's the main character. Of course, he becomes the king. And then there's his sidekick and best friend, Betters. Mm -hmm. And then the um, 
the bullies, Lance and Kay, who were also students at the same school. And then in comes Merlin. Yeah. Uh, out of the past, but he comes in as a kid. Yeah. And then there's Alex's mom. You don't ever meet any of the other friends' moms, but and then there's Morgana, who is the half sister of uh, King Arthur, and mm-hmm. she is the sorceress. Yeah. Um, minor characters: Sophie, which is Alex's aunt, the Mortis Millis, who are the undead, and the principal of the school, <laughs> who lends comedy. Yes. Did all I miss right. anybody? I don't think so. No, I think that that covers them all. But um, I mean, let's just go into a little bit more detail. So we've got Alex and he's, of course, he's the he's the hero of the story. He draws the sword from the stone, but he's not the kind of kid that would normally be considered the hero of the story. Correct. He is the subject of bullying. He's short mm-hmm. and chunky and he's mm-hmm. probably a pretty smart kid. Yeah, he seems to be pretty smart. Um. I mean, when we first meet him, he's doing a school project and he's on his way to school with his little like, uh, what would you call him? Paper mache, like yes, sun and moon. Mache. You got his, the sun and the, the moon. Clips. Yes. But he gets a text from Betters. And what's going on with Betters? Okay. Betters has been hung over a railing uh, with his head down. And he's probably about four or five feet off the ground. Lance and Kay have him captive. But mm-hmm. somehow he sends a text to Alex. And, oh, <laughs> I don't know how that works. Help. I don't know how he did it. But <laughs> he, and I can just see him hanging upside down and getting that cell phone out of his pocket and yelling <laughs> for help from his friend. Yeah. And, of course, Alex comes immediately. Which Yeah, as soon as he gets off the school Alex. bus, he runs around the corner and and he confronts Lance and Kay. Um, of course, Betters is another sort of like short, chunky kid. Betters is very enthusiastic, though. Alex seems to be a little bit more reserved and maybe a little bit sour. Yes. Maybe that's because of his situation and everything, which we might as well say, like, he's been raised by just his mom. He doesn't, he's never met his father. The only connection he has to his dad is this book that he that he has up in the attic and it's a book about King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table and the inscription on the inside of the book says to my once and future king signed dad uh betters though betters is a much more upbeat character <laughs> he seems to be a very cheerful person he, and uh he just adores alex <laughs> You get the idea that better sort of attached himself to Alex, like when they were both pretty young and Alex cares for betters too, but you get the feeling that betters was the one that probably initiated the friendship. Correct. I agree. agree. Yeah. So then we have Lance and Kay who are the school bullies. You know, I, I've been thinking about this bullying thing. And mm-hmm. he, to me, I see a bully as a person who's very insecure. Yeah. They feel like they need to get the better of people that they think are probably smarter than they are. But they would never admit that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, or that they think they have more going for them, less chance to fail, 
or maybe they're not uplifted by their family at home. And so they feel like they got to pick on somebody else. Yeah. Well, it makes me think, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, the breakfast club. Mm -mm. Well, in that movie, you have like these five kids that are all in detention on a Saturday for different acts of trouble that they got into. And, but they're all from different, like, clicks in the school so you've got like the athlete and you've got the popular girl and you've got the nerdy kid and you've got kind of weird misfit girl and then you have kind of the bully kid and you know i mean they don't ever describe him as a bully he's more just like a rebel but he's very mean to the other kids in the in the detention at first and they start talking about like he starts talking bad about everybody in the thing and then he goes into this sort of act where he's talking about like he's reenacting the way his dad talks to him at home. And it's just the most awful stuff. And then he shows the other kids like where his dad put out a cigarette on his arm, stuff oh, like man. that. And so, yeah, I think that tracks, so, you know, it's like it's that old cliched saying like hurt people hurt people. There's you also know. a saying, children learn what they live. Yeah. So, yeah, but we don't ever really learn what Lance and Kay's home situation is. The only thing we really see from them is the way that they act. Correct. Uh, which is plays into the themes of this movie quite a lot, really, as we'll talk about as we go along. Um, so, yeah, and then, then we have the entrance of Merlin who is just the most delightful character to me in the whole movie. And uh, when we start talking about our favorite moments and scenes, it's very Merlin heavy for me. Because <laughs> uh, I just love this kid's performance. I, well, he wasn't a kid when he made this. You know, he was like 25 years old or something, but he's playing, supposed to look like a high school kid. But the way he does magic, he just has this series of, snaps and claps and strange yes. hand movements and and the way the kid does it is very precise you get the feeling he probably worked a long time getting those little hand motions down i don't know how he did it i don't either They're perfect I, I think it's every time it's perfect. a it's a really fantastic performance from an actor that you don't really see in much else um, well another thing is 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 um that makes it almost worth watching the movie just to get to see him do that. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah. fun. it's fun yeah. for kids, fun for kids. I think so too. Yeah. All right. So we kind of have broken the movie down. Uh, we've actually talked about this movie a lot before you're hearing this. Yes. Uh, <laughs> because we tried a couple times to record this podcast because you know this is our first episode we're still trying to figure out how we're doing things here um so we've recorded this episode a couple of times where we just went through the whole plot of the movie scene by scene so we have talked this movie to death so we're going to distill that into we've picked three scenes each that that either we just enjoyed or exemplify something worth talking about in the movie that sort of thing so I'm going to let you go first. Um, what's your first favorite scene? Not necessarily your first favorite, like number one, but just what's the first one you want to talk about? Okay. Um, the chicken. 
the chicken place. <laughs> Merlin, Merlin, uh, we don't, we can't tell the whole plot. You won't want to watch the movie, but Merlin needs beaver, uh, beetle blood, beaver urine, and ground up bone. <laughs> He has come, of course, he's come from the past and he looks like a kid, but he meets up with, uh, when he's trying to talk Lance and, I mean, Alex and Betters into going after Morgana, the sorceress, he says, meet me at so-and-so chicken place. I forgot what it's called. Mm -hmm. And it's just a really funny scene. You, you go into this restaurant and he says, he hands them both a bucket of chicken. He says, yeah, follow a me. A whole family-sized bucket of chicken yes. each. <laughs> and he goes, he says, follow me. And he goes, he says, I've taken up residence upstairs or I've rented the room upstairs or something. And he goes, well, you know, he didn't rent it. You of know course he, he didn't. Mind he just moved in. He yeah. just snapped and clapped his way into a residence, yeah. you know, and he goes and he sits down on a sofa and he's just, they're standing there holding buckets of chicken and he's drinking a drink and eating chicken out of another bucket. And um, uh, he's explaining to them what he, what they need to do, but the, it's just a funny scene. Again, well, I love this. But you're skipping the, the really funny part where he explains like what is significant about the food he's eating is that yes. the, he the needs syrup and the cherry soda <laughs> comes from beetle blood <laughs> and the vanilla ice cream contains beaver urine <laughs> and that the fried chicken, uh, the batter or whatever that it's cooked it's in ground up has ground up animal bones. But the, so. And, and they're just staring at him with their, they can't believe what he's saying. And he's just chow, chowing down on this chicken and mm -hmm. drinking the cherry cola, whatever it is, cherry mm -hmm. aid. Um, but I, I just found that very amusing. Yes, it is. So I guess I'm going to talk about, uh, since we're on like funny stuff, I'm going to bring up this one because this is just preceding the scene that you're talking about. I love Merlin's introduction to the school. Oh, yes. Because he shows up. Well, for one thing, he's appeared like far away and he was naked because he came through a portal. And so he goes and gets a t-shirt from anything. a guy in a store. Can't see anything. Of course not. It's a family well, film. They need to know that. <laughs> well, it's a PG-rated movie. Okay. He can't show anything in a PG-rated okay. movie. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, so he winds up getting a t-shirt but then he winds up he commandeers a cop car and goes to alex's school where he somehow procures a school uniform that's too small <laughs> and he's standing up in front of the class and the teacher's like we have a new student joining us today <laughs> and he goes my name is merton <laughs> <laughs> yes it's like merton ambrosius caladensius <laughs> A typically normal, like contemporary British schoolboy. <laughs> like, no. That's how he introduced. And then he does this little pose. <laughs> and you just see, like his pants are way too short. Nothing fits. And then after that, you get a montage where, because he knows that Alex has pulled the sword out of the stone. You get this montage where they're in various classes. And Merlin just is, keeps staring at Alex. Like everybody else is doing classwork. And Merlin just is staring 
directly at Alex. And in each shot, he kind of gets closer and closer to Alex. It's very well done, like visual comedy. All right. What you got? Okay. Next? Well, I, lo- I um, found the bog fight very, it was, it's not the total turning point, but it, it's, uh, mm. it's, it was one of my favorite parts of the movie. At some point, they end up far away in this bog of water up to their waist. And mm-hmm. um, Alex proves that he is very brave because he, he takes on Lance. You know, and they're fighting for Excalibur. Yeah, Lance has stolen it at this point. Yes. And left Alex to be buried in the ground by, like, Morgana's evil tree roots or something, you know. But um, I just found that Alex gathered up more courage at that point. Well, I think what's notable about that is Alex in that point, I think he's ready to give up because he's lost Excalibur. But Betters is the one that first stands up to Lance. He does. And then when Lance attacks, or doesn't attack Betters, but he pushes him down and insults him. And I think that is when Alex really snaps into action. His courage comes from, well, seeing Betters' courage in that moment and his loyalty to Betters. Yes. Because we've already seen that he's willing to defend Betters from Lance and Kay. You know, and the thing is, is when you know the end of the story, you don't know the end of the story when you see that. But Lance is walking off in a huff, but Mm. Kay is walking off. She's really in despair, I think. Yeah. Because I think she is beginning to see where she's wrong because she's Mm -hmm. part of the bullying procedure, too. And she just says, we're no good. Yeah. We're no good. Well, I mean, Kay is... Kay is really a follower. She um, is. And she doesn't know who really, to follow at this point. She doesn't know who to follow. And that's that's part of the problem. Lance, I think, I think Lance has leadership qualities. They are, they are sort of at this point twisted and they're used for bad. But I think that Lance ultimately, throughout the course of the story, shows that he actually is a worthy leader. Maybe not the same caliber as Alex, but there are other moments in the story where he has to step up and, and sort of take the lead and inspire people. And he's somebody that people kind of want to follow. People like, or maybe they don't like Lance. Maybe they fear him, but they're drawn to him in some way. And well, I think that's the reason. Yeah, he's, he's tall and imposing. Yeah. Compared to the other kids. He's gone True. through growth spurt. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Okay, so um, I'm going to go with, I really love the scene where um, they first started on the quest and they start off there, you know, because we might as well say the quest is to find Morgana's underworld lair Mm -hmm. so they can kill her and and prevent her from rising up because she's going to rise up during the eclipse and they're trying to prevent her from doing that because that would enslave England and then ultimately the world. And of course they start off on a bus, but Merlin's not going to let them get there on a bus. So he takes them off the bus and starts walking them through a field. And that is when he stops them and um, tells them about the chivalric code. 
which are, in the, well, the chivalric code historically is a very complex sort of system of, of manners and battle etiquette, stuff like that. It, it involves a lot of things. But in this movie, the chivalric code boils down to four points. And he says, you have to abide by all four of these points from the time the sword was drawn or else your quest will fail. And the four points are, number one, honor those you love. Number two, refrain from wanton offense, which leads to one of the funniest moments in the movie yeah. for me, where Lance asks, what's wanton? And <laughs> Better says, I think it's Chinese food, but what kills me is the way Merlin is like, it is not Chinese food. <laughs> very stern with them in that moment <laughs> but we learned that wanton in this case is deliberate as alex says that means don't be mean or rude or you swear at people yeah. <laughs> number three speak the truth at all times and number four persevere in all enterprises until the end that those are the rules they have to live by in order for their quest to succeed and I just really, I really love that moment. I think it, that's a nice, like, very simple code that they're given, but it's not necessarily easy. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, and that's something that also Merlin says during this whole sequence is he tells them that the most worthwhile path is seldom the easiest. Correct. And that leads into my third favorite. Okay if I can do this without crying. So their first quest to uh, destroy Morgana is in the underworld and they do it. They think they've done it, but they get back and they find out from Merlin, they've only wounded her because someone didn't live up to the chivalric code. Mm -hmm. And Alex tries to defend himself and he starts quoting them and then the light goes on that he is the one who failed. He, he did not live up to the code. He realized he was at fault because he had defied his mother. He had not honored the one that, that he loved. Also, he was angry with her when he finds out that his daddy wasn't who she had always led him to be, led him mm -hmm. to believe he was. He was an alcoholic and, and did not care for them. But she wanted him, she wanted Alex to think her daddy, his daddy was a good guy. So she made up stuff about him. And yeah. so Alex was angry when he found out that wasn't true, but also he had defied her. He did not honor her. And so mm -hmm. The, the moment where he confronts his mother and she's just trying to apologize to him for not telling him the truth, he says, no, you didn't do anything wrong. It was me. Mm -hmm. And that, that point of humility is, helps cement him as a good leader, you mm -hmm. know, and he makes it right with his mom. Mm -hmm. That's my other favorite that's my last favorite point. Oh, shall we tell about the bathtub? Yeah, go for it. Well, he's lost the sword at this point. He's thrown it in, in a pond. He doesn't have it. But when he yeah, finds out he he's only wounded the sorceress, yeah. he needs the sword again. Mm -hmm. So he, he's back at home, but he doesn't have the swords. So he says, Mom, 
you need to see this, you know, and he goes into the bathroom, he turns on the water in the bathtub because the sword is held by the lady of the lake and she is in every body of water of Britain. And so he turns on the water and when the tub is full, it has to get all the way filled up. He, he calls out lady of the lake. If my quest is true or what, if my quest is noble and true, please return Excalibur. And there's a little pause and then this arm comes up out of the tub. <laughs> There's the sword and he can go off and fight Morgana to the death. Yeah. So my Very tender moment. My final favorite moment is well, this is previous to that one, but um it's after Alex has learned the truth about his dad. Because he's gone to he's gone to Tintagel, which is one, it's where Morgana's underworld lair is, but it's also, it's where his dad grew up, which is why that combined with the inscription in the book makes him think that maybe his dad is a descendant of King Arthur and that makes him the true heir to Excalibur. And he goes to his dad's former house, but his dad's not there, his aunt's there. And she's the one that tells Alex the truth about who his dad was and and that his mom was the one that gave him the book and wrote to my once and future king. So like you said earlier, like that is a point where Alex is at his lowest and he's, mm-hmm. he's very discouraged and he just doesn't, you know, he's mad at his mom and he goes and he sits out on the edge of a cliff and uh, he, you know, he's talking to betters and he says like, I'm nobody. My dad was nobody. I'm nothing. This is all, this quest is foolish or whatever he says. And, and, and then he says, uh, and my mom lied to me and I hate her. And he takes the book and he throws it off the edge of the cliff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then Betters, because Betters has observed earlier in the movie, uh, Merlin doing a metal duplication spell. And he yeah. recorded it on his phone because he wants to learn how to do magic. <laughs> and so... He puts a coin in Alex's hand and says, watch this, squeeze, hold onto the coin. And he does all these little movements with his hand. And all of a sudden you hear clink, clink, clink. And Alex opens his hand and there's a whole bunch of coins in there. And he's like, I stayed up all night trying to learn the metal duplication spell and I can do real magic now. And then he tells, he tells Alex, he's like, See, we have to continue this quest. You can't give up now. It's not allowed because that's point four of the chivalric code. It's not allowed. And then Lance shows up and says, he's right. He says, we've survived this long. We fought the Mortis Millis off three nights in a row now. And then Kay shows up and she says, I can't remember exactly what she says, but it's another sort of. Turn your enemies into allies. Yes, he turns his enemies into allies because that was something that that Alex had previously said that King Arthur did uh, because that was in the book. Uh, And that's what made him a great king. And then Merlin shows up and I actually I had the 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 speech that Merlin says written down because I think that it's worth quoting the whole thing. He shows up at the edge of the cliff and he's got the book in his hand that Alex has thrown over. And we should note that at this point, it, it's old man Merlin. He's reverted to his old form and he's played by 
the great Patrick Stewart, who is an icon, you know, X-Men and Star Trek and many, many other credits. But so he, of course, delivers the speech beautifully. But he says, this book you covet, Alexander, not bad, pretty illustrations, but not entirely accurate. Remember, legends are mere rumors whispered down the centuries, written and rewritten, told and retold, sometimes by the rich and powerful so they can hold on to power. The sword doesn't care who your parents are. It doesn't choose by birth or blood, Alexander, but by heart and mind. If your legends say different, then perhaps you must write them anew. Mm. And then he goes on to say, he's like, you're a king, Alexander. Mm -hmm. You're a real leader. Everything you need, you already have. And that is what turns Alex around and, and makes them finally go and find Morgana's lair. Of course, doesn't work. They have to fight Morgana again later, which uh, I guess we could talk about that a little bit, sort of the ending of the movie. Uh, it's fun. They have to go back to... They have to go back to London uh, before the eclipse and they have to rally all the kids in their school. <laughs> and the teachers. Well, the teachers. They're not they rallying, rally they're spelled. The <laughs> yeah, the teachers get sent off to like the teacher's lounge where they're all just standing there staring <laughs> blankly into space. <laughs> Which is uh, one of the teachers, by the way, played by um, the guy that plays Nate on Ted Lasso, if any of our listeners like that show. Uh, it's got a small part in this, but it's a fun little part. So, yeah, I think the very end of the movie, we get, it's fine if we spoil it on this podcast. It's not the kind of movie you really can spoil. It's a very, like, good versus evil story. But what ultimately comes about once they defeat Morgana and, you know, you see them, like, the next day or maybe it's later on that afternoon because... Well, but it's they're all, one of the best parts because Alex wants to go they feel like nothing has changed yeah okay? and um merlin reminds them that now they've learned to be leaders and they will be leaders in their generation mm -hmm. and uh but alex doesn't want to hold on to power even though excalibur is a powerful sword he knows that he has to give it back to the lady of the lake and mm -hmm. they, they all stand there and he tosses it in the water but, um, and then the, the movie ends. Yeah, very abruptly. I, I did go back and listen to the piece of music that's at the end of the movie. It's a really lovely piece of music. And you should go listen to it. It's, it's a really great little piece of music. Oh, and it's very stirring. Um, but yeah, it's like he throws the sword in the lake and you see the, the hilt go down into the water. Cut to credits. But you know that that Lance and Kay and Alex and Betters and hopefully the kids in their school, they are changed. Yeah. You know, the four are, they've, yeah. become, they've become allies. They're, they're probably friends, you yeah. know, but you don't, you don't know, but mm -hmm. it's, it's just a powerful lesson about, about bullying and good versus evil. I just, I love it. Mm-hmm. And well, that leads us into kind of like, what are, what are some other like sort of themes and ideas that this movie makes you think about? Well, the first one is 
is bullying. And like if parents are watching it with the child, their children, they can teach them that what bullying is. It's, it's a sign of weakness. And what matters is how you respond to it. Yeah. And Alex responds properly. Um, though I'm not saying it's not real. Bullying is real in school. Of course, I haven't been around school for a long time. And I know. Yeah, but we've, we've both talked about this. Like both of us got bullied in school. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I've talked to a lot of my friends since then. I got bullied yeah. in school. I got bullied in school. It's, it's yeah. a common thing. Yeah. It's art can be very mean. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't just stop in school. Like adults get bullied too. At work. They do. They do. You know, but what is important is like how that. we act, how mm-hmm. we act and react. So mm-hmm. um, it's important to learn to face your troubles with courage, mm-hmm. and not stoop to the level of the bullies. Yes. And um, that's an important thing. I hope we taught you guys that growing up. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think y'all both taught different lessons. We did. Because uh, dad was like. Military. <laughs> yeah, dad's a military guy. So dad was always like, just hit them hard enough and they won't bully you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that's the right response, but sometimes, I mean, you don't, you don't want to get run over. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I don't necessarily know what the right response is, except to say that one of the things this movie really makes me think about. And we've talked about this a little bit previously um, is the the idea of turning your enemies into your allies. Amen. And I, I don't really know how that's accomplished a lot of the time. Can't always do it. You can't always do it. And, you know, we, you know, we live in pretty divisive times and people are always on the internet arguing about this and that. And the kind of stuff that people talk about is worth talking about. It's worth arguing about even. Mm -hmm. But um, when you see somebody as your enemy, that's a very serious thing. And that's not to say that it's not always true. Like, some people are horribly mistreated by others. Uh, I mean, it's countless examples in history from the, you know, civil rights, and the Holocaust. And I mean, very, those are very, very serious, like dire examples of people being mistreated by others. And, and you know, the people that were on the oppressive side of, of those times in history, there wasn't necessarily any reaching them. You couldn't necessarily make them an ally. Um, I think you're absolutely right. There was only one way they could change and they didn't. Yeah. But, but I think that, I think that in sort of smaller cases in our everyday life, whether or not it's like somebody at school uh, or somebody at your job that you don't get along with, um, you know, unless it, unless they're acting in a way that to you, that's very like criminal or whatever, I think there might be a way to reach those people. I don't know what that is necessarily all the time. I think it's a very case by case basis, but I think it's worth trying. Yes. Try to find a common ground. 
yeah, try. And sometimes it might take years. I, I, I told you this story a while back, but I'll tell it again on here. Uh, you know, recently I had a, a conversation on Messenger with a guy that was pretty mean to me in school. Hmm. Uh, I wouldn't go so far to say he was a bully. There were times where his behavior towards me bordered on that, but he was definitely a very disagreeable person to me at least um but recently you know we have become friends on facebook but i haven't talked to the guy in years but on facebook he posted something a while back about some uh some personal things he was going through at the time and and how they made him feel very alone and lonely and and it was stuff that i had experienced myself so i just one day i reached out to him and I said, Hey, look, man, I know that we had our differences in high school, but I can sort of understand what you're going through. And I just want you to know, if you ever need somebody to talk to, you're not alone. I will, I'm here for you. And then we had a nice chat after that and caught up some, and maybe that's a very small example. But it's of, the, an example of finding but, some common ground. Yeah. But so it, I think it is possible. It's not always possible to turn your enemies into allies. But in cases where it is possible, it, it is the, the right path to pursue. I agree. So. 100%. Is there anything else this movie makes you think about? Um, well, when it comes to parents, uh, I think that you want to, if your child is getting bullied, you want to try to give them as much positive reinforcement as you can so that mm -hmm. it overcomes what the bullies are saying. I mean, at some point you got to try to help your child to see their, their value versus what the bullies are saying to them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what Alex had. He had a mother who was loving and kind to him and gave him the positive mm -hmm. reinforcement so he could deal with the bullies because yeah. he knew, he knew how valued he was. Yeah. As a person. Well, and she obviously taught him good things too, because she did. because he is the one that is worthy to pull out Excalibur. Yes. You know, he's not a king because of his bloodline or his family or whatever. He's a king because of who he is inside. He's yes. not the king, but he's kingly in that way. Amen. He's the way a king is supposed to be. Amen. Um, yeah. Amen. It's really very biblical. <laughs> I suppose, yeah, it is. Um, but that's that's the last thing that this sort of leads me into is I I really love the first point of the chivalric code, which is honor those you love. And uh, you know, I've told you this, uh, but it bears repeating. Like that is that is why I want to start this podcast with you, um, because it's just a way for us to connect and talk about you know talk about good things and hopefully um hopefully give other people something to think about but i specifically wanted to start it with you uh and i guess i'll go ahead and tell this story this the whole idea for this podcast actually came about like three years ago during quarantine where <laughs> we were just flipping through the Netflix or whatever. I guess we were on Disney Plus 
and we were just looking for a movie to watch me and her and my dad, because during quarantine, I went to stay with them because I didn't have a job and they had farm work they needed done. And I was, you know, I'm pretty good at helping out with that. Absolutely. And so one night we were just looking for a movie to watch. We couldn't decide on anything. And I, I, I got an idea in my head and I said, you know what you'll really like is Captain America, the first <laughs> Avenger. Yes. And so we watched it and I was right. She loved it because that's the kind of movie every mom loves. <laughs> so, but we watched that and then I wasn't quite sure I wanted to show her all the other Marvel movies yet because I wasn't sure how she'd respond. So then we skipped and just watched Winter Soldier after that because I was like, if I can get her sold on cap, I can probably get her to watch the rest of these movies. It worked. It worked. I, I know what I'm doing with movies, y'all, most of the time. Sometimes I it falls flat. But in this case, and that led to <laughs> us like, that led to us watching Harry Potter, which she'd never seen. And we watched Lost, which they'd never seen. Like, we, we spent the whole period of quarantine just watching stuff. And then we started doing these, like, Facebook live streams where people would, like, we'd get on there and talk about what we'd been watching. And people would, like, write in questions. And we had a fun back and forth. And so I I had carried that idea around in my head because we had so much fun doing that. I was like, you know, this really needs to be a podcast. <laughs> and I'd been wanting to start a podcast for years and I came pretty close a couple times and I, I had talked to a couple people about trying to start something. I was like, you know, I'm going to have to start. The only person I can start a podcast with is Patricia Ann Stover Harper. <laughs> Thank you. You're so in which case we're going to have to talk about family films Uh, (laughs) because it's really the only this is part of it is like finding common ground with people like this is sort of our common ground because we're we're a movie watching family, but everybody likes different stuff and uh, the stuff she likes and the stuff I like typically don't line up. But (laughs) when it comes to family films, we tend to be on a pretty level playing field so that's how that's how this all came to be um and you chose well for the first film i think so you did (laughs) oh i never saw it before we decided to review it i never saw the movie yeah like i said nobody did you know a few critics out there and that was about it so anyway um is there anything else you want to say about the movie before we uh move into the final segment no okay except you gotta watch it because we didn't say much about morgana so you gotta watch the movie so you can see what they did no morgana is an evil sorceress and she wants to enslave the world that's pretty much all you need to know all right that's all you need to know yeah so anyway oh and she's played by rebecca ferguson who i have an enormous crush on i know uh So we have decided to, to rate the movies that we discuss on this podcast on what we are calling the FWIF scale. Now, this is an idea that I pretty much stole from my friends over at the Fear of God podcast, which you should definitely give a listen to if you are into thoughtful discussion and horror films. But they rate their movies on a scale of fear and God, which are, you know, scares and substance. Uh, so we have decided, because our, we're called Family with Family, 
that we are going to rate movies on a scale of fun and feelings. And then the with is the with, you know, you get it. It's the with scale. It's not as catchy as the fog meter, but hey, <laughs> we you got to do what you do. So how would you rate this movie on a one to 10 scale uh, as far as fun and just pure enjoyment of the movie? You know, the more I think about it, um, I, I'm going to have to give it an eight. It really an eight. is fun. I, the more I think about it, I have to give it an eight. Okay. Um, I'm, I, I can't decide if it's a seven or an eight for me, but I think I'm going to be generous. I'm going to also give it an eight. Okay. Yeah. So uh, how would you rate this one to 10? on the feeling scale, which in this case means sort of themes, things that made you think about, uh, you know, sort of your emotional response to the movie. Well, the more I think about it, I'm going to have to give it an eight there too, because (laughs) all the things we've talked about, it's really deep. There is a lot to this movie. And, you know, I think this conversation has, up uh, my estimate a little bit um, and I was watching just a few scenes from it earlier today and it really does there's a lot in this movie to think about and so yeah let's let's just do eights all around all right. so easy math easy math uh, we here at family with family collectively give uh, the kid who would be king an eight out of ten on the fifth scale yes so I would assume this means that you would recommend the movie. Highly. Yeah. It's probably good for like kids, maybe like seven or eight and up. But or I, I, 69. What? Or 69. Sure. I would say even if you don't have kids, because I don't have kids. Here I am on a podcast talking about kids movies. <laughs> I don't have kids and I thoroughly enjoy this movie. So you don't have to watch it with kids but if you do want to watch it with kids i'd say it's a good movie to show your kids i guess that about wraps everything up uh is there anything you want to say before we close out here no i've thoroughly enjoyed this discussion with you delight so um our next episode uh we are going to be talking about the uh, film Remember the Titans. Oh, I love it. Starring Denzel Washington. So, so everybody, uh, hope you'll join us for that. Uh, you can find this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts, hopefully, once it goes up. Um, and hopefully this is the first of many discussions about uh, family films that we'll have together. And we'll get some guests on here at some point, too. That'll be fun. I've got a lot of friends in the podcasting world that I want to bring on and <laughs> All right, bring them talk on. about this kind of stuff. Anyway, thanks, y'all. Uh, give us a rating and a review in iTunes. That helps uh, podcasts, little podcasts like us get, get seen and heard. Uh, and we will uh, see y'all next week. So bye, y'all.